I'm gonna make him an awful game. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Say hello to my little friend! The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Fight With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Welcome to another episode of the best movies you've never seen. My name is Stephen Fennick and I'm joined by my soon-to-be movie nerd. He's becoming one. Each week we're turning him into a movie nerd. Trevor Long, how are you, buddy? Stephen, I'm very well. You're right. I'm I'm becoming a, a person who has movie facts in, in their mind. And he has seen The Sound of Music, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we've ticked that, that box, finally. Week, this week we're looking at another based-on-a-true-story film, and that's The Wolf of Wall Street. This is a film released in 2013. Based on the autobiography of former trader Jordan Belfort, how'd you like the three-hour runtime on this? Yeah, one? It it was a bit off-putting, I won't lie. When I uh, dialed it up on Fetch and I looked at it, and went, "Oh, oh wow!" I mean, I prepared for it because <laughs> I think you did warn me of that. But I thought yes. to myself, "Gee whiz, I don't know how they make three hours out of Wall Street." Yeah, well, I, I think that you couldn't cut a minute out of this movie. I really liked it. Directed by the great man, of course, Martin Scorsese, as uh, known for his films. Tell me if you've seen any of these, Trevor. Taxi Driver. No. Goodfellas. No. Raging Bull. No. The King of Comedy. No. So you would have known Martin Scorsese. No, the name. He was in a police lineup. You would have known who he oh, was. Oh, no, absolutely not. And, and, and again, millionaire question. I'd have no idea if okay. I had a name. Well, he directed them. all those movies I just mentioned, including The Irishman, which was on Netflix. You might have seen that I one. Did, you know, I, I watched half of that and I uh, it was just too long. Yeah, it was like the length of a miniseries, wasn't it? It was like yeah, because that's Netflix, right? Someone yeah. instead of a studio, like he probably argued with a studio to get this thing down to three hours. Yeah, but instead of a, movies, yeah. Netflix, has probably said, "We don't care, mate. Just knock yourself out." And he's just gone, go "Yeah, hard. fine. Go hard or go home." They said, didn't they? Yeah, I'm not cutting true. anything. He doesn't. He he doesn't make a short movie. I, I think uh, his shortest movie, I think, was The King of Comedy, which had Robert De Niro in it. But the, We'll get to that as well. Uh, this movie caused quite a buzz. It was pretty controversial. The subject matter, it was uh, a startling look at the life of Jordan Belfort. And you know the funny thing, though? They hardly had to take any license with the movie because all of that stuff that happened actually happened. 
Wow. There's many. There's not many things. We'll get to the fact of the fiction, but there's only little minor things that were were incorrectly portrayed or deliberately changed for the movie. Wow. Before we go on any further, I, I should mention that there is going to be an explicit warning on this movie. There are there's a there's a liberal use of the f word in this movie. We're going to be hearing it in our in some of the audio. We Uncle Trev and Uncle Steve don't yeah. say that word, of course. We but might even say it ourselves. By Jordan the time Belfort, he yeah. did. Jordan Belfort, potty mouth, as as were all the other actors in this movie. So it was, uh, yeah, it was startling. It was it was actually banned in five countries for the high sexual content as well, like uh, some Middle Eastern countries and Asian countries. They thought, no, too naughty for us to show you. Another controversy about the film, though, Trev, that you may not know, was about the funding, how this film was funded. The there was the first penny stocks. <laughs> you know what? Hold that thought. It was the first film for producers. There was Reza Aziz and Joey McFarland. They were two former investment bankers, right? They formed a company called Red Granite, who produced the movie. Came up with a hundred million dollars to finance the movie, right? Now it, this was in response, according to them. They thought it was a challenge that, that this was going to be a hard movie to finance because no one would produce. A, a movie just expletive laced, drug fueled, over the top sex, nudity. No one was going to fund that sort of movie, and they saw that as a challenge. And actually, right. long story short, they got the money. Most of the money, though, came from Malaysia, which included a development fund that was led by the then Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak. Now, he happened to be the Malaysian Prime Minister, happened to be Aziz, one of the producers' uh, stepfather. But how about this, right? The, the, that, that fund contributed a, allegedly $64 million of the budget, but Razak, the former PM, was accused of siphoning money into his own accounts to finance his lavish lifestyle, which they think some of this money was included. So oh. the producers, would you believe, ended up paying back $60 million in a settlement after charges uh, that were allegations that the film had been financed by embezzled investor money. Can you wow. Believe? So it was in an ironic that a movie about the trying to duke people on the stock market had had that kind of finance. Uh, this was nominated for five Oscars as well. Best Actor nomination for Leo DiCaprio. Best Supporting Actor for Jonah Hill. Best Director for Martin Scorsese. Best Adapted Screenplay for Terrence Winter. And Best Picture. Right. It didn't win anything. Outrageous. None for five. It was 12 Years a Slave was Best Picture. And ironically, Best Actor went to Matthew McConaughey, oh. who was in this movie, as as Hannah, Mark Hannah. And you may notice, too, I think in your notes, too, you sent to me that you noticed how thin Mark Skinny, McConaughey yeah. Well, he had just come on, come off making Dallas Buyers Club, which is what the, he won the Oscar for. Yes. He apparently had to lose a ton of weight. He had to play an AIDS victim. And that's why he he just lost this incredible amount of weight, and he still was yet to fully beef up for the Wolf of Wall. Can I just say, for the record, um, I think I've seen Dallas Buyers Club. Oh my God! Really? You know why? I'll yeah. give you one guess as to why. Um, but, but, but why? Well, Matthew think about think yet, about but, day jobs. Uh, uh no, you, I, his, you mean his day job? No, our day jobs. Our day jobs. Yeah, well, we're journalists. It was one of the most pirated. Remember the big court case about it. That's right. So I had to understand what was this big deal, the Dallas Buyers Club pirated and all this kind of stuff. So, yes, I'm, of course. Yeah, I, no, that's a good point. Couldn't good tell point. you for the life of me what it was about, but 
Okay, well, he, he played an AIDS victim, and Jared Leto was the one who won the Best Supporting Actor. He was in that movie, okay. too. So he, uh, he, he pipped uh, Jonah Hill to the post. Now, this is our last exit before the freeway, ladies and gents. And a reminder, there is going to be some naughty words that we're going to say in this podcast. So uh, if you haven't watched the movie, and you'll hear all those swear words for yourself, you can do that on Fetch. That's right, and Fetch are proud sponsors of uh, the best movies you've never seen. And uh, you can do like I did, uh, just fire up the Fetch box and speak to the remote control, ask for The Wolf of Wall Street. And it was uh, it was fascinating to me, available to rent or buy in the movie store. It was available uh, to watch on streaming, and uh, it gives you all the options of where the movies are. So no matter what subscriptions you've got, no matter what you're willing to, where you're willing to watch it, Fetch has got you covered because it's got all the streaming services you need, uh, nine and a half thousand movies or more to rent or buy. So they've absolutely got you covered when it comes to movies, and uh, we do it all thanks to the good people at Fetch. You can find Fetch at your local electronics retailer here in Australia, or um, ring your ISP, your internet provider, and see whether they offer them on a monthly subscription. We're going to dive in now, Trev, and you know what? I forgot to ask you your impressions before your first viewing. So you haven't seen this start to no. finish, had you? No, I'm so pretty sure I've flicked a bit of it. Yeah, yeah, you knew the premise. You knew it was – did you know it was based on a true story? You knew that? So here's – I knew it was based on a true story, um, and I think it was because the main dude, Jordan, um, does a yep. speaking circuit, and I've seen him on TV interviews, not just promoting this, but but since then, you know, he, he's yeah. he's seen as the Wolf of Wall Street, um, yeah. and I was also well aware that Leo DiCaprio was in it. So that's of course about it for me. But, you know, you, you, you've said this many times when we're talking about movies to watch. This was always going to be a good one for me because it's real. Yeah, I love the, the tangible, real-world scenario. So I was pumped for this one. Absolutely. Well, and and now that you've seen it, how how was your expectations? Were they met? Were they exceeded? What did you think of it? It, it was long. Um, I'm not – you, you say they didn't have to you – know, they couldn't have cut a minute from it. But there, there was a lot in this. It was hard to – it was a, it was a big slog, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved in, I loved watching it. I loved the storyline. There's bits we'll get to that I didn't, to be honest, fully follow, and I, I reckon I could watch it a couple more times to fully understand. But yeah, um, yeah loved it. Uh, sadly, because of the the contents, uh, very hard one to watch with anyone else. So I chose. Sure. Well, maybe watch with your wife. Your kiddies might not be. Uh, yeah, no, my wife would not watch this. Really? No. The um, just too much swearing, too much nudity. No, it's more watch about the nudity before. and sex okay. scene. She's not a fan. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. I will. You have to speak to her about that, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how how are you tweeting this out? The, the, you move. It start, the tweet starts with my wife would not watch this with. Yeah, my, uh, too many tits for my <laughs> wife to want to watch this is probably how it'd start. But um, a story of the filthy rich uh, and perhaps a cautionary tale of just how money can corrupt. The Wolf of Wall Street is very well shot. A great story, well worth a watch. That's that's yeah. my that's my enticement. Line. Money, how money corrupts. That's uh, that's kind of what it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, I saw this in the cinemas uh, back in 2013. I'd had already, though, read his book, ah. know, the Wolf of Wall Street book. Can I ask, did you read it because a movie was being made? No, or? I read it out of interest. And I, I never read if – I, if I know they're making a movie of a book, I'll read the book first and not the other way around. If I've seen the movie and it's based on a book, I won't read the, mo- the book after. But I had already read this just because I was, it was a massive bestseller. And just was this incredible. You read the the dust jacket about how the much money he made and all the helicopters and all the dramas he yeah. went through and everything, the excess of the book. And uh, I did watch that and have since watched it many times. It's on Netflix. It's on Fetch. It's everywhere. I've got it on, on Blu-ray as well. 
and I've seen it, I reckon, 10 to 12 times. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, and I catch myself if it's on TV, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I've got to, I've got to, I'm locked in, I've got to watch it. <laughs> so many great lines and scenes. And of course, it's directed by Martin Scorsese. Had to see it. Now, casting call, we've mentioned directed by Martin Scorsese, stars Leo DiCaprio, who, of course, you know from Titanic, which we're doing on the show. Catch Me If You Can, The Revenant, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, also stars Australia's very own Margot Robbie. Mm. This was her breakout Big role. role. Yes. Massive role. Massive break for her. She would have been previously in Neighbours, I understand. Now she's an A-list star, Oscar nominated. She was Oscar nominated for I, Tonya, about Tonya Harding. Mm. She's also in Suicide Squad. But curiously, uh, it's not the first time Scorsese and DiCaprio have worked together. You know they've worked together on five movies? Wow. DiCaprio, so they previously worked on Gangs of New York, which uh, co-starred Cameron Diaz and Daniel Day-Lewis. The Aviator, co-starring Australia's Kate Blanchett. She won her second Oscar in that movie. Shutter Island, based on the Dennis Lehane book, which I've read, really good movie. The Departed. Uh, and The Wolf of Wall Street. So that's the five mm. movies they've made together. Funny enough, too, and, and the the movie nerds amongst us, uh, myself included, will notice in the movie there are three other A-list directors who are acting in this movie. The actor, the, the, uh, one of them was Rob Reiner, who played Leo DiCaprio's dad. You know, oh, Max. of course, yep. yep. And he's Rob Reiner. He directed A Few Good Men, which we're doing on the show, and Stand By Me, which we're doing on the show. Uh, John Favreau was in it. Remember, he plays one of the lawyers talking about yes. the SEC. He directed Iron Man, and the Ma- he was one of the Mandalorian oh. creators. And Spike Jones, who was the guy in the Investor Center who was telling him about, these are just penny stocks, you know, the companies that can't get the, the NASDAQ listing. Remember oh, the dude? Okay. That was Spike Jones who directed Being John Malkovich and Adaptation. So eagle-eyed movie nerds like myself would have noticed there are other directors acting in this movie. Yeah. Let's jump into the memorable scenes, mate, and I'll kick yeah. it off. There was a really – it sort of gets off it to a flyer because mm. it's – I love how he sort of – he's at the height of his of his wealth and he's talking about how much money he has, his lavish lifestyle, and then he explains how it all began and yeah. it's kind of a – you see a bit of a flashback to him starting on Wall Street. So he, he was his, – his first day on, on Wall Street, was uh, was the the was the Black Friday, which was uh, I yeah. think October nineteen eighty seven. What a day to start work! How ironic is that? Was that the first day, or was that the first day he became a trader? Because his first think, day, yeah. his first yeah. day became a trader. Officially became a stockbroker. But it was market. fascinating, wasn't yeah. it? To, oh, yeah. to re, I, I, here's what I love about movies. Here's what I love about Hollywood, is they don't hold back. For every bone in my body that looked like it was shot in the eighties. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was. The the, oh, yeah. te- the telephone accuracy, the computers, the stock ticker around the room, the the urgency of it, the yeah. just the whole yeah. the whole thing was so well done. And you know, he he's this young bloke, literally thrown in at the deep end, answering phones. He's got to ring people and and try and you know get his brokers uh, some sales on the phone. I thought it was interesting too, and this is a classic Scorsese tool where the character talks to the camera. You know, like they, yeah. they call that in movie parlance, breaking the fourth wall, which means you're talking to the audience. Normally you don't look at the camera, you don't talk to the audience. That happens a lot in this movie and and also Goodfellas and other Scorsese movies. So there's also a a lot of, of narration, a lot of voiceover 
where yes. it's explaining things again another another trope so we, we I I now noticed that stuff because you pointed out to me in one yeah. of the early movies we covered uh, yeah. I talked about the fact that that happened and you, you pointed out that that was rare and so I noticed that in in the early scenes it didn't it wasn't like uh, one of the other movies we watched it was kind of constant for a while this was in and out it was in yeah. and out of of uh, of script versus narration versus his you know breaking the fourth wall there uh, but it all worked like yeah. that's the genius of it isn't it but then we so the movie gets started and he's working for a firm and he one of the people he's working with is a gentleman by the name of Mark Hanna. He's a loose unit. <laughs> that was our. That was such a funny scene where he asks him about, you know, is he married? How often he jerks off every day and all that sort of stuff. And he goes, "Oh, cocaine and hookers, my friend. That's what you need in this job." But that scene, the him beating his chest, totally unscripted, wow, improvised, <clears throat> wow. Apparently, that is his warm-up method. That's what he does to warm up before a scene. All oh, right. So he decided, I'm going to chuck this in. And you noticed Leo looking around. Remember, he's looking around he's like, like he's embarrassed. Did you notice but that, that? But that's what made it real because he, he was in a restaurant. It's like, dude, is anyone watching this? Well, that look that you think that embarrassed look is him looking around. He was actually looking at Scorsese thinking, are you, can, well, look at, are you seeing, hearing this? Like he's saying he's off script sort of thing. That was real, that, that little moment there. So uh, when he saw that, he's got looking at Scorsese for approval almost, you know. Now, tell me, in those early scenes, I've got a little, a little pop quiz for you, mate. Yeah. Did you notice, did you recognise the guy who introduced himself? He goes, you're going to be dialing 500 a day. You're nothing but pond scum. The best part about this bloke is he plays a role in one of our favourite shows. Yes, yes, you know it. You know, he's he's the uh, SEC, uh, you know, kind of, he's the guy that was there to represent or, or at least cover for the SEC so that, you know, Axe Capital didn't go off the rails. This he's Ari. such a Ari from Billions. So iconic his his <laughs> face. He's just this he's he's a very unusual looking man. And so he stands out in every scene. And I looked at him and oh my God, are we are we in billions here? Is this in fact I won't lie, watching this movie, because we're just such big fans of billions, that it made me look at this and go, This is you know, it's a sub story. It's a it's a spin off. Yeah. You know, Billions is absolutely yeah. a lot of the Wolf of Wall Street. So he was that that actor's name is Steve Kunken, K U N K E N Kunken. He's a uh, Ari. His character's name is in Billions, and we've already mentioned market crash on the first day. So uh, already yeah, he, Gordon's out on his uh, on his behind looking because for they, they do so much in like five minutes. You know, he's introduced to 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 the floor, then he he's taken away to lunch, which is strange. You would assume for a young bloke to go. <laughs> go to lunch with, uh, you know, Mark Hanna on the first day. Then it's pretty much fast forward to I work seven months to get this whole happening and then the market crashes. And so he's out on his ass. You don't, you don't see that. You don't, you know, you know, he doesn't, this is the thing that's skipped and I think it's well done is you don't need to see him having a meeting with someone saying there's no more job here for you, mate. The market's crashed. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's accepted. And then he's, he's, you know, worried with his wife, how they're going to make ends meet. And he, He's looking through the paper, isn't he, at things to do, places to go. And he goes into this place called an invest investor center. And and he walks in, as you say, to this guy who's explaining what penny stocks are. And but the the thing with him is that okay, he goes, You mean I make fifty percent commission? So he's thinking, I'm in. 
And yeah, but when he when he got when he got moving, he really caught everyone's attention. Your profit on a mere six thousand dollar investment would be upwards of sixty thousand dollars. Jesus, that's my mortgage, man. Exactly, you could pay off your mortgage. This stock will pay off my John, one thing I can promise you, even in this market, is that I never ask my clients to judge me on my winners. I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. And in the case of Aerotime, based on every technical factor out there, John, we are looking at a grand slam home run. Four thousand, that'd be forty thousand shares, John. Let me lock in that trade right now and get back to you with my secretary with an exact confirmation. Sound good, John? Great. Hey, John, thank you for your vote of confidence, and welcome to the Investor Center. Bye bye. How'd you fucking do that? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a great moment because you've got this Wall Street guy who I think, uh, you know, uh, Matthew McConaughey is telling him when he's beating his chest, he's telling him, you know, the idea here is not to not to actually make money in the real world for your clients is to just turn their money around and into more stocks yeah. because you make a, a cut, you take a, a, a percent or so off every sale. And he's walked in and gone, hang on a minute, I'm getting 50%. So this $4,000 sale is two grand in his pocket. And every sales rep who, again, they're, they're both cast and wardrobed to not at all look like they've ever been to Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. He walks in a suit and tie. Remember, he had a suit and tie. That's on. right. He's the only one there that looks like he's ever been to it to an office. The rest of them are cast like used salesmen who've who've decided not to sell cars anymore. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. But and it was it was also that that was just such a demonstration of his selling ability. He was yeah. born to sell. Born to sell. He he, he, he was crazy. a natural salesman, and yeah. so it's at that point where you know he's worked out this penny stock thing. He's crazy. So he's 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 building up. He's making money. He then. Essentially, go. He, he meets um, uh, Jonah Hill in a, Donnie, in a Donnie. Yeah, Donnie. He says, "Oh, you show me a pay slip for seventy-two thousand. I quit my job and come work with you right now." And it's he and, and he does. And I love that scene again. I love the fact that he he doesn't just you know show it to him. He actually then shows him quitting his job. They get going. He ends up setting up his own shop. You know, it's 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 all happening here where where he's motivating. He's he's got all these you know weird mates together, and he's trying to explain to them how to sell. And I yeah. think he's he's essentially pushing to them. I think the motivation factor here, and we've got some audio of this, is him essentially saying, use your pent-up anger and energy to yeah. sell. So, but he'd, he'd also created a script for them. Remember, he says, yeah. and they were leafing through the script. He's got his friends. They start up Stratton Oakmont as well. And, yeah, he, he certainly has ways to motivate his troops. So you listen to me and you listen well. Are you behind on your credit card bills? Good, pick up the phone and start dialing. Is your landlord ready to evict you? Good, pick up the phone and start dialing. Does your girlfriend think you're a fucking worthless loser? Good, pick up the phone and start dialing. I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich. All you have to do today is pick up that phone and speak the words that I have taught you. And I will make you richer and the most powerful CEO in the United States of fucking America. So, you know, it's an epic scene because he's he's now gotten to the point in a very fast, you know, pace of time. And obviously in the real world, you know, maybe a year or so, I don't know. But he, he's actually got a physical office. He's got a large group of people that he's now motivating at the start of the day. I think um, there's a Forbes article on him, which actually then first describes him as the Wolf of Wall Street. 
Yeah, um, and he complains know. about it at, at first. And and just a just a fun fact on fact v fiction, the Forbes article never actually calls him the Wolf of Wall Street. He calls right. himself the Wolf of Wall Street later. The 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 movie depicted that the journalist had penned that name, and you can see the original article online. It was all about how he had sort of used to sell meat. He used to be a steak salesman and all these yeah. sales jobs he had. And then he goes, oh, what's the difference? Steaks, stocks, it's all the same. I think that was even the headline. Because so his, wife, said, his yeah. wife says there's no such thing as bad publicity, and she's right. And like, his wife, who's a hairdresser, also says, at least your hair looks good. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps telling her to read the article. She's like, I don't want to read the article. It doesn't matter. All publicity yeah. is good publicity. And yeah, it is. Fair enough. Well, we move along, and uh, he's now a massive success. He has this massive house party, and he meets Naomi, who played by our our girl Margot Robbie. And this becomes then he he says, well, the the moon that he met her, he was just uh, obsessed and, and yep. just mesmerised by her. He ignores the fact that she's got a boyfriend yeah. right next to her. <laughs> exactly right, and, and that he's married. He's, yeah. uh, they start having their affair, and then uh, they have their first date. And then she invites him up for tea. Mm. Was uh, interpret that how you want. Now you see this scene, right? And you, we we know that they, she, he goes up in the apartment, and the door slide open, and there's Margot Robbie in her birthday suit. Yeah. Now a little fact for you here, mate. That was Naomi. Uh, that was Margot Robbie's choice to be nude. That wasn't originally a nude scene, right? She she didn't. She said. The whole point of this is that her body is her only form of currency. Mm-hmm. So she had to be naked. She told Scorsese, I'm going to go nude ski for this scene. So she said she had to take... Scorsese didn't work hard to talk yeah. her out of it. <laughs> yeah, Scorsese went, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and so did Leo. And then uh, apparently she's had three shots of tequila before the shoot to relax. All right. And boom, the rest is history. Because that was, um, uh, wow. I mean, that's yeah. That she she said, "I have to be naked." I, yeah. I it wasn't originally in the script, but boom, she put us about there. The first first time she was nude ski in a movie. But isn't it what, yeah. what's fascinating to me though is that again, this this is how you separate a, I don't know, college, you know, uh, teen spring break movie nudity from just <laughs> a, 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 you know an Oscar nominated movie yeah. is. It was just so so well done because it was tastefully done, of course. Yes, he he's he's not there just ripping off his own clothes, ready for her coming out of the bedroom. He's just there trying to um, light a fire. Light a fire. Yeah. She said, "Light a fire," and he's 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 literally shocked by it. But remember, he's sort of he's remember he's not, he's over his voiceover saying, "Goes get out, get out. What do I do? Get out, Jordan. What do you do?" And then she slides the door open, and there she is. But uh, that's and the thing is, the, the the point I make is, she slides the door open. The shot lasts. A second or two, and then it lucky that's yeah. it, it's done, it moves on. You, no, you get no, the no, point. There's a scene where they're next to each other, naked in the bed, and sure, the dog but it's not at his heels. At, at his that, feet. They don't exploit that moment, is what yeah. I mean. For research purposes, I had to rewind that a couple of times, so I had to yeah. say yeah. it over and over again. If, if it was the, if it was the <laughs> 80s, the tape would be broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank god for that. And, <laughs> and now from there, we see the sort of the now that this relationship is just it's on. You see her apartment yeah. full of flowers, and there you go, dinners. And, and he gets caught out though, his wife catches him red handed in front of Trump, Trump Tower. Tower, yeah, where, where that, that's apparently where they were living. At they the must time. have had an apartment there, yeah, yeah, and uh, so. They end up getting married, of course, and this is another sort of montage scene where all these things happen. They have this massive wedding, and but it's not all rosy. 
uh, there's the scene where he's asleep and she throws the water in his face, and she was she was asking him a few questions. Oh my God! You had to deal with the golf course people too. What a Greek tragedy, honey! Oh my God! You probably had to pay them in cash with your hands. What a fucking burden! And actually do some work besides swiping my fucking credit card all day, huh? Because I can't keep track of your professions, honey. Because last month you were a wine connoisseur. Now you're an aspiring landscape architect. Let me get that right. No, fuck you! Fucking dare throw that fucking water at me? Don't you fucking dare! So that she, she so well done. That 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 kind of de- depicted that it wasn't all it wasn't all rosy on the home front. That there were yeah. dramas, and and in the middle of that scene, the cutaway was Jordan nude and a prostitute um, tipping hot wax on his back, and then he said, "Oh, you're a dirty booty," and he was sort of all this kinky stuff he was into. But that was right in the middle of him denying that. Uh, I think she was saying, "Oh, Venice," you were saying Venice, and he goes, "Oh, I meant the we're investing in Venice." Yeah. In California, but yeah, the it's story a solid, is a solid scene. Yeah, and but the, the the whole thing at the moment they're talking about how they have to to avoid being sort of looked down on by the other big Wall Street firms. They yeah. have to have an IPO, yeah. and uh, Jonah Hill's character Donny happened to be school friends with Steve Madden, who was the head of the shoe company, and he was telling them how they're going to form an IPO. And Leo starts to describe exactly what an IPO is. An IPO is an initial public offering. It's the first time a stock is offered for sale to the general population. Now, as the firm taking the company public, we set the initial sales price, then sold those shares right back to our friends. The I- Look, <laughs> I know you're not following what I'm saying anyway, right? That's, that's okay. That doesn't matter. The real question is this. Was all this legal? Absolutely fucking not. But we were making more money than we knew what to do with so that kind of sums up how they'd reached that point. Money. There, there was a scene where he was wrap, like scrunching up dollar, hundred dollar bills and throwing them into his trash can. Remember that scene? Yeah. The, the cleaner would have had a nice surprise that night. And I think the the thing. This is where I I'd need to watch again and focus more um, because the Steve Madden IPO comes in later on during during um, federal investigations and stuff. But I, I didn't quite get because he explains. I think that he he. He holds fifty percent or something. Yeah. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes on there that I don't fully understand why what they did is wrong. Because an IPO is not wrong. An IPO is a required thing to get onto the yeah. stock market. So yeah, in my mind, I just don't fully understand what they did wrong. Yeah, it was the in fact the IPO. they were setting they were setting the sale price, selling it to their friends who were then selling it at an inflated price again. I think that was sort of a little bit of inside baseball happening there. Yeah, right. Uh, so that that's how that went on. But yeah, then the we start to get some interest from the feds. And this is this is an awesome bit because this is the first time you see this this you know stunning boat outside of when he introduces it to his wife. The boat is called the Naomi, and he's on he's on the boat um, to meet had to have a private meeting with uh, the FBI officer who he finds he has found out he's investigating him. The FBI officer comes onto the boat with the, with a fellow officer, but the fellow officer stands back and leaves these two to have a very private because he wants a private off-the-record conversation with this bloke, um, and he does, but he, he kind of pushes it just a touch too far. Yeah, and he mentions the fact that there was some of one of his staff was in need. They made a trade. They made half a million dollars for him in the trade. I think his family, his, his mother or something was sick. They made him the money, and he was saying how, you know what, I could do that same thing for you. Can you say that again? Just the way you said it. Just the same way. 
Oh. I don't know what you're talking no. about. Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking no, I don't about. Know just what say you're the same thing. I think what Jordan just did is he, if I'm not mistaken, no. you just tried to bribe a federal officer. No, technically, no. I didn't bribe anybody. Oh, no, technically, that's, not the that's no, no, no. Jordan. According to the U.S. criminal code, there needs to be an exact dollar figure for an exchange oh. of services that would not hold up in the court of law. You both no, 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 I heard it. No, 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 no. That's the truth. And it's a funny thing because I think that that whole scene uh, makes the FBI officer look like a dick because he he didn't have the bloke in, in position to record that very initial offer. Um, but it also makes Jordan look smart because he clearly is not an idiot. He clearly comes into this meeting knowing exactly what a bribe is, exactly how to insinuate the the making of, of immediate money without actually offering a bribe. Yeah. It's so well done. It's a great little scene. He also mentions in that part of the movie, on in that scene, he said, oh, you know, I... I I know you're a straight arrow, and and so that reveals that he he even looked into he invested yes. his own investigation into this bloke. Yeah, and then ends up uh, kicking him off the boat and throws lobsters at him. He goes, oh, "What are these? Look, fun coupons." He's sort of throwing hundred dollar bills at him. And the best part here is this is where it kind of steps up for him and and his crew. He's got this little entourage, you know, the the key team that were with him from the very start in in his little investment business, um, and they decide to basically take on an offshore. Bank, which is they decide to go to a Swiss bank. One of the boys has a mate who has a mate, um, and they, they've got a they've got to get physical cash from the US to Switzerland by any means. And it turns out that they're trying to strap money to each other. They end up bringing in um, Naomi's uh, aunt from England. Yep. Um, she's just carrying millions of dollars through in um, in carry on because she's you know fifty plus and doesn't look like someone who'd be doing dodgy stuff. Um, it's a full-on, you know, exercise, and this is the bit for me in that kind of fact v fiction world. You just honestly, you can't imagine this is real. Yeah, there was just so much money. Uh, there was funny how the woman, uh, one of his mates, I think it was his mate's wife, had all the money taped to her body. He goes, oh, he goes, he goes, he goes, we don't, we don't work. Donnie says, oh, I've got more money coming too. He goes, I'll tell you to pick up. He goes, we don't work for you. He goes, look, honey, you got your your money's taped to your body. You, you technically you do work for me. <laughs> yeah. That's my money on your body there. <laughs> but um, that was kind of it. Really should have showed that Jordan knew that he had to make a move. He didn't want to be caught with all this cash that was coming in. So he had to sort of try to get the Swiss account <laughs> set up. And he was also asking about could you be compelled by a, a American court to give me up. He goes, basically, unless they invade our country, your money's safe here. Yeah, but he also insinuates that it shouldn't be in his name, which is where he gets the aunt yep. involved. He puts yep. the bank... You don't actually hear... You know that you don't know that for a fact, but it's it's quite clear later on. It's all in the aunt's name. But I think the, the bit here that I... Like, you know, eyes wide open kind of thing was this, you know, offshore account stuff is well known. Like, we all know it exists. But you kind of think of it as like an ATM or a bank bank transfer, right? But in in the dark world of, you know, I guess you call it criminal activity, but, you know, avoiding the law, you've got to physically take cash. And that's yeah. that's the, you know, it's essentially the laundering of money out, out the door and out to another another country. It's fascinating stuff. But you got to remember this was also kind of the late 80s, early 90s where this is all happening. So cash mm. is king. There's sort of no... There's no tap and go back then for yeah. uh, for many people, so cash was very important. But we move on in the story though because there's a suspicion of um, of them being investigated. The investigation has may have already kicked off, yep. and so he was told by his lawyer, "Don't use your home phone. They they might be tapped." So he goes, "Call me from your from a, another payphone." which happened to be in the nearby country club, which is about a mile away from his house. Yeah. Before this, 
apparently I think Donnie found a bottle of the lemon lutes that had been that had been sitting there for fifteen years. And they were a very rare brand of, of quaaludes that they wanted to try. Remember, they they took them, they 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 cleared their. He did a, give himself an enema, vomited. He was wanting to yep. get full effect of the ludes, and he they remember, remember they take them. He goes, "Can you feel anything? No, let's no. take another one. Take another and one. We go in the gym to sort of try to get their because, heart rate up again. This scene um, with these old ludes and this them trying to go to the gym and stuff makes no sense without the earlier. Scene, there's this one minute montage, maybe, of, of him taking these ludes and, and it shows him on his journey of the ludes. You know, yeah. he has this this journey where he, he goes crazy, he's, he's a bit hyped, yeah. and then he has this drooling scene. Yeah. <laughs> and and in this in this moment, fast forward to where they've taken these old ludes, he's he he far he, he actually says, I, I, I skip straight to the drooling. I said, Are you fucking high? I can't more fi. After 15 years in storage, the lemons had developed a delayed fuse. It took 90 minutes for these little fuckers to kick in, but once they did, pow. I mean, I had skipped the tingle phase and went straight to the drool phase. (laughs) These little bastards were so strong, I discovered a whole new phase. The cerebral palsy phase. (laughs) So this is the bit where he decides to, he goes, okay, I'm going to get back to the car. He goes, I can't, okay, walking's walking's out. He goes, oh, I know. It's an internal monologue, isn't it? I'm going to crawl like like Skylar, his daughter. He goes, oh, I'm going to crawl. And then he gets to the steps and he falls down the steps. Somehow, brilliant acting how he tries to open the door of the Lamborghini. His foot, I think, gets caught in the handle and he manages to get home. And you think, oh, he got home. Now, Go back to the steps, and you may or may not have this in your notes, but yeah. I thought this may well be one of the best shot scenes in the whole movie. Yeah, it was, was funny. Do you notice how they did the steps? Yeah, that was sort of, they, they shot it from his they, perspective. They shot it from the yeah. top, and it was like, you know, 200 steps. Yeah. You shoot it, it from the front, actually, and it was, actually, six. it was only six. Yeah. So there was, there was, they shot it in a different way so that you, you had this impression this was going to be a huge fall, but actually... It was like six steps, and he was yeah. barely going to get a bruise. That is actually that you bring up a good point, and how Scorsese filmed this. Apparently, when he was when he was sober and functional, he used a different lens. Right. When he was when he was wasted, you know, he was on the quaaludes and on the drugs and on the drink. He used a different lens right. to give him sort of to give the, a slightly different look. So that was sort of—I know—that was sort of meant to exaggerate the distance he had to travel, but yeah. it was only a number of steps. But that was something that that Scorsese deliberately did. He filmed him with a different lens to give him to you know what sort of phase he's in. Now I know this comes up in the uh, in the broader part of what we're going to talk about here, but <clears throat> my biggest thing here, and you know, you're always—you've got me watching movies in a weird way as well because of the way we do this show. But I'm always looking for plot holes or you know problems, you know. And so my biggest issue with this scene, because he gets home without a scratch on it. What a great line. <laughs> this beautiful Lamborghini Contage. Yeah. And my biggest problem is, as he drives away, the passenger door is still is shut, even though he got in through it and was unable to close it. Uh-huh. So in that whole scene where he's driving home, I'm thinking, yeah, but how did he shut the door? shut the door. <laughs> really? Yeah, I didn't notice yeah. that. So it was open. Okay. It was open when he, dri- when he got in the car. 
you know, yeah. he's he's off his nut. He he, yeah. he was unable to close the door, and he, he drives yeah. this car home at, at like two kilometers an hour without a scratch on it. But obviously, yeah. fast forward to the next morning, and the police are in the house, not because he's lost his mind, not because he's he's abused <laughs> anyone, but because in the front yard of the house is a Lamborghini Countach that is in complete disarray. It's an absolute write-off. <laughs> he's bumped in. He's bump parked that all the way home. Uh, incredible. And that was, that was really well done, how they shot oh, that yeah. too. Before that, remember, the reason he was rushing home in the car was to prevent Donnie using the phone. Remember, he got the phone and he wrapped it around. He seems trying to yeah. have a little fight. And yep. then Donnie decided to scoff some ham and started choking. That actually happened. That was real in the book. That yeah. actually happened to his mate. He, the, the, the name, they changed the name slightly in the book so that the Donnie character in the film was actually based on another person. Uh, so not that they changed the name a little bit, but the, the, the choking incident was actually real. That oh, did, really? Yeah. Because but it yeah. looks, you have this moment there where you think, is he, is he just going to let him die? And Naomi is, is screaming at him yeah. as if to say he's not doing enough. He's not breathing. You, yeah. you kind of don't think he's doing enough to save him, but actually, he sort of thinks about it too, doesn't he? He thinks, "What do I do here?" And then, do you remember the the bit where he decides to remember he snorts a whole heap of coke to get him out of the haze? And I loved. I don't know whether you're a fan of, of Popeye when you're a kid. You know the cartoon, Little, yeah. And you know whenever Popeye has his spinach and then his muscles get bigger, that was exactly what was happening when that during that scene. We took his cocaine and he became like Popeye. He was strong again, and he helped get, <laughs> he helped get him uh, get the ham out of his throat. Because that's all it is in the end. He's not. Um, um, he he's just got a blockage. He's a yeah. Heimlich maneuver, basically. Yeah, he had to sort of pump his chest, and I loved how the ham sort of hits Leonardo DiCaprio in the face when he spits it out. Yeah, it's very very well done. So at this point, he he we we know there's there's wiretaps. Um, we know it's all going on, and he he's at the farm, a farm, um, with his dad and his lawyer, John Favreau, and they're basically talking about what next. And and he ha- his his lawyer and his dad advise him. Just make a deal. Make a deal with the SEC. And he's done that. He's made a deal. He's at the office for the you know last time. But he's, he does these big razz-up you know, speech sessions in front of the whole office. And so he's about to stand up and tell them all, you know, farewell, good luck, enjoy. But there's, there's a big twist. I'm not fucking leaving. The show goes on. This is my home. They're going to need a fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here. They're going to need to send in the National Guard a fucking SWAT team because I ain't going nowhere. (laughs) I love how he he razzed them up like that. That was awesome. it's It's a great scene because he also, he's leaving, right? He, for the first, you know, Five minutes of that speech, he's leaving, and he, he talks about uh, a woman in the office who was on the bones of her ass when she when yeah. she came to work for him, and, and she needed a couple of grand as an as an advance. And he like it's a bit weird because his ego he's he's dragging out of her the, the facts, but it turns yeah. out he gave her twenty five grand to get her going, and you know she owes he, her life, her career to him for that. So this it's this really nice mashup of this this absolute admiration for the bloke, just utter and complete admiration. But then it's just you know, subpoena after subpoena after subpoena, and you know, it's it's just a downhill um, uh, fest from there, isn't it? The whole whole work yeah. and everything they do. They jump on. Uh, they jump on the boat. They remember they go to Europe here, so they go on a trip, shopping trip, and 
the IPO is still kicking in. So I think they find out in Europe that Steve Madden is dumping stock. So there's a, there's something happening. Yeah. So and, the IPO was it might be years yeah. ago, but you know once you once you you know you he's he's holding Leah or Jordan's uh, uh, business is holding a large portion of the stock of this company. So they yeah. would be aware of any fluctuation. And because Madden is selling off his own stock, any time a founder sells stock, it's a bad sign. And, uh, you know, the, the founder is selling stock. He, he, they're, they're in big trouble. Um, and they find out everything that's going on and they need to, they need to head home. So he's like, we'll turn this thing around. Yeah. No, but what happens was uh, Naomi's auntie dies, remember? Yeah. So, so the woman who put the money in the Swiss bank suddenly dead. She's got like twenty million of in her name in the Swiss bank, yep. and the, then he calls the Swiss banker, saying, "Look, get get here, get your ass here quick. You need to do sign some papers." And he says, "Right, we're going to Monaco." He goes, "What? Do, what about the?" She says, "What about the funeral?" He goes, "Look, honey, she's she's still going to be dead when we get there in a couple of days." Yeah, he's got to rush now to get to Switzerland via Monaco, and the captain warns him, "You know what? We might hit some rough seas here." What do you think of those scenes? That, that actually happened, by the way. That was real. They did that. His boat that was in lost in those high seas. They had to push the helicopter off the top of the boat to give it to more to make it less susceptible to the bigger waves. The jet skis all had to go as well. The only thing that was not happening at that same time was these private jet. Remember, he looks out the window and the private jet blows up. Yeah, his private jet did actually crash when it was flying somewhere, but it wasn't at this particular time. So he, right. if he had, was in the private jet, he might have been involved in a crash, but it just wasn't at that moment. I mean, that it was pretty well shot. It was uh, it was dramatic, but I don't, I've never been in rough sea, so I don't really know. But Funny it was... how it's another t- boat scene with Leo DiCaprio. Remember the Titanic? <laughs> you know, was in this one, I think, you know, he's had, had a bit of a call back there. But it's it's kind of, um, you know, it's fascinating because they're, they're on an Italian, you know, warship or something, you know, yeah. With uh, they've been rescued, and then it kind of skips uh, skips ahead. Then doesn't it? It really yes. just goes very strangely skips ahead. Yeah. So he's starting to the next scene you see is him making infomercials, and in the middle of his infomercial, he gets arrested by the FBI, mm. and then he details all the dramas about that that led to him being busted by the feds. I clean up my act. I did rehab. I'm a TV personality. I'm sober for two years, and this happens. Rugrat goes and gets busted down in Miami. I'm Swiss. I'm not communist. And guess who the fuck with? Sorrel. You're going to beat me? Yeah, I know your country. You're going to beat me. Yeah. I mean, what are the fucking odds? There had to be 10,000 Swiss bankers in Geneva, and Rugrat gets the one dumb enough to get himself arrested on U.S. soil. <laughs> so, sort of a bit of bad luck happening there, and that was sort of the beginning of the end, I described that. It's sort of, yeah. This is the, 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 the winding down, and then sort of the feds are rolling in. His, his, his marriage is on the rocks as well. He looks like he's getting a divorce. There's their, they force him to wear a wire. Do you remember that scene where he was wired, yeah. and he writes on the napkin to Donnie, um, um, of he writes on a, on, a, on a yellow post-it note, I'm wearing yeah. a wire, don't incriminate yourself, covers it up with a napkin, but yeah. stupidly doesn't destroy the uh, the piece of paper that he wrote it on because that's the piece of paper the FBI have and yeah. that's the piece of paper they use to bring him in and, and, and put him to jail. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a quick kind of descent, isn't it? It like, does wrap. Yeah. You know, you know you're right. It's a, it's, a, it's a de-escalation very quickly of the whole yeah whole life and times of Jordan Belfort. But, you know, everything's now for sale. He's sentenced to, I think, 22 months jail. Yep. Um, 
But they very quickly then, again, it's this sentence, but then it's boom. I'm in a sales training, you know, with a room of 100 people in Auckland. Yeah. And this is the this is the moment where I go. This is him now. This is short. This is what he does now. He's, yeah. he's all about how to sell. And he, I guess it's, it it's it's a nice bookend because you kind of realise that in the end, what this bloke does well is sell. Yeah. And and he actually does have something to offer people who yeah. are in the sales game. Right. That, his current his line of work is his. It's his called his straight line persuasion system. So his sales system. Yeah. And the classic line in the movie too, which was the very last line of the movie, "Sell me this pen." Yes. Remember, he says to his mates at the yeah. start, "Sell yeah. me this pen." He goes, he goes, he goes, he gives the pen to his friend. Remember, he says, he says, "Sell me the pen." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, he goes, "Why don't you write me something?" He goes, "I don't have a pen." He goes, "There you are, Mark Demand." demand. Yeah. He goes, "Write down your number," and he, he says, "There you go, Mark. Yeah, it's a wine demand." There you go. <laughs> Supply and yeah, it's, it's, it's very so well. Let's, uh, that, that's the movie, kind of how it flowed and our favourite scenes. But let's move on to the favourite quotes. And I think it's hard to go past the first meeting with with Hannah and what how he describes of what they do. It's all a fugazi. You know what a fugazi is? Well, fugazi. It's a fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi. It's a woozy. It's a fairy dust it doesn't exist it's never landed it is no matter it's not on the elemental chart it it's not fucking real right all right, all right. stay with me mm-hmm. we don't create shit we don't build anything no so if you got a client who bought stock at eight mm-hmm. and it now sits at 16 and he's all fucking happy he wants to cash in liquidate take his fucking money and run home you don't let him do that okay because that would make it real right no what do you do you get another brilliant idea, a special idea, another situation, another stock. That yeah. was a great scene. It's a great scene because it, it actually summarizes Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's. It, I think at the start of even before that quote, he's saying that you know, he goes, whether you're Warren Buffett or Jimmy Buffett, it doesn't matter. We don't know where the stock's going to yeah. go up, down, around, sideways. We don't know what's going to happen. I think one of my favorite lines is the is the simple one, which is it's a great one to use in real life if everyone's anyone's ever doing this to you, which is the the, the line about the owl. Wake up, you piece of shit! Ow! Who's Venice? Huh? Who? 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 What are you a fucking owl? Who is she? Well, I don't know. Some little hooky you were fucking last what night. What the fuck are you talking about? No. Who? 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 What are you a fucking owl? <laughs> Mate, that is a, that is actually a ripoff of a line in Heat, which we are doing in the weeks ahead. Al Pacino says that to Hank Azaria in the movie, and then he sa- he says the exact same line. I think it's a oh no, a bit of a homage to uh, to Heat. But another favourite of mine was from the boat scene when the Feds are on the boat, and how the Fed admits he goes, "I've got to say, this is a nice boat." He goes, "You've you don't you don't come from wealth. You did this all yourself." And he, he actually compliments him about the boat and how good it's going to feel when they seize it. The fucking hero that I'm going to be back at the office when the Bureau seizes this fucking boat. Because, I mean, fucking he fuck, fuck, Jordan. Look at this thing. It's beautiful. If you get the beautiful girls there, it's wonderful. All right, get the fuck off oh, my boat. I'm sure we'll be seeing each other real soon. I'm sure. Good luck on that subway ride home to your miserable, ugly fucking wives. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a that's a good scene full stop yeah, um yeah. the the one that i i was blown away by was and again it's just it's just this great story is the the at the end where they're talking about the um the swiss banker and his mate the rug uh and how they're caught up in it but then there's this other twist 
about the dude who created Benny Hanna. Even more fucked was that he got busted for shit that had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to fucking do with me. Something about laundering drug money through offshore boat racing and a guy named Rocky Aoki. You know, the founder of Benny Hanna. Benny Hanna? Benny fucking Hanna? Benny fucking Hanna? <laughs> Never eat there again, would he? Yeah, no, not at all. Not That'd at be all. a great photo now of Jordan in, in a Benny Hanna. Benny Hanna. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're gonna. This is normally because this is sort of based on fact. We normally take the plot hole, how did that happen, mm. section, and twist it around to a bit of fact v fiction. And uh, the real Jordan Belfort said he was happy with the way this movie turned out. His only objection mm. was that Stratton Oakmont, sort of the the impression you get was they're all crooks. They they were just out to take people's money, but. He's, the implication was they never did any serious work. They, apparently, they did a lot of good work, and he said that they 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 couldn't have gotten away with their with sort of ripping people off if they hadn't already established a legitimate business to sort of give it some foundation. Yeah, right. That was one thing. He that was, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing about uh, in the story that even Jordan admitted was was wrong. Was the remember when he just does the backflip? He's not leaving, you know. After his deal with the SEC, yeah. he says uh, that that never happened. He did actually leave. He didn't change his mind at all. Okay. I've already mentioned that the original Forbes article didn't call him the Wolf of Wall Street. The headline was stakes, stocks. What's the difference? And there's a photo of Jordan uh, in his office as well. So never called. He called himself the Wolf of Wall Street when he published his book. So that, that, that's right. how he came up with that name, yeah. Uh, when writing his memoir, I told you earlier that in the book, he used everyone's real names. Mm-hmm. But the film, some of those names were changed. Right. So the Donnie character, Donnie Azoff, never, was not a real person. That was reportedly based on a man named Danny Porish. So that sort of they they – sort of hit retrofitted a couple of people into one person based mainly on Danny. Um, the reason they did that was because the Danny threatened, uh, he, he said he'd sue if his real name was used in the movie. The other changes they made too were to the names of the women in Leo's, in Jordan's life. The, his real wife's name was Nadine, not Naomi. Right. And his rich, his first wife, her name was Denise, not Therese. Okay. Teresa. So they changed that around. And he, uh, we mentioned already, he served 22 months in prison was ordered to pay over $100 million in restitution, <laughs> but apparently he hasn't, he's failed to do that. He has not done that. Oh, really? Things, yeah. Things you might not know, Trev. The word fuck is used 569 times in this movie, <laughs> making this the movie, at the time, was the most used, used word, uses of the word in a mainstream R-rated non-documentary film. So a feature film, the most at the time. Wow. A year later, there was a film, I think it was a documentary called SwearNet, the movie, which took the record that had 935 uses of the ah. word fuck. But also, too, back in 1990 when Scorsese made Goodfellas, at that time, he had the record as well. That had 300 Love uses the record. Of, the, of the word fuck. So he's very, he's very much a, a fan of the F word. Uh, Scorsese too. A lot of his movies, a lot of Goodfellas, which we'll get to. Uh, he encourages ad libbing. In, yeah. in like, there's a basic script, but he does really encourage 
ad-libbing. A lot of the scenes in the movie were ad-libbed. We know the Hannah chest bumping yeah. ad-libbed. A lot of the interrogation scenes are all ad-libbed. Do you remember the bloke... Um, the guy asking, "Is he going to eat that? You going to eat that bagel?" Remember, he was eating all the stuff in the in the interrogation. Yeah. It was all just improvised. So, uh, Wolf of Wall Street again, Scorsese encouraging them to uh, to improvise. Nice. Now, you saw a lot of the actors in the movie snorting drugs. Yep, they were actually crushed B vitamin pills. So they uh, they they be. It looked like yeah, it looked like cocaine. Apparently, uh, Jonah Hill, who played Donnie, he said he he got. So he inhaled so much that he actually got bronchitis, had to be taken to hospital oh, wow. for inhaling too much <laughs> vitamin B. Imagine, imagine trying to explain that. Oh, listen, trust me. Trust me. <laughs> it wasn't real. Yeah, it was vitamin B. Uh, you mentioned oh, – we mentioned the length of the movie, three yeah. hours. Now, you wouldn't have loved the initial cut of the movie. Apparently, it ran for four hours was Jeez. the initial cut. Four hours. Paramount originally was going to release a four-hour director's cut. But uh, they changed their mind. They stayed with the three-hour theatrical release. Why wouldn't they release that now? In the world of streaming, why would you not release that? As extra features, you can watch the extended version or the or the straight version. Yeah, I, I would I would love to watch an extra hour of the Wolf of Wall Street. Especially, did you um, say it's Paramount? So, like, couldn't it be on Paramount, Paramount Plus yeah. or something? You know, charge for it. Absolutely, I'd pay to see that. Uh, Jonah Hill, remember the the Donny scene where he was they were at the party, and he start, decides to get yes. Yep, get that it was apparently a, uh, a prosthetic penis was used. Uh, but here's the thing, though. Scorsese never told anyone else he was going to do it. So when he pulled out this fake dick, no one else knew it was fake. They thought uh, it was real. So there was the surprise reactions from the other actors were real. They're thinking, what the hell is this bloke doing? So, uh, they looked like a solid yeah. improv. Absolutely, yeah, very solid. Uh, <laughs> you know, remember the star of our last film, yeah. Julie Andrews, mm. she was originally offered the role of Aunt Emma. Remember the, oh, Joanna yes. Lumley, you know, the, the British yes. actor, the British aunt? Yes. But, uh, she turned the role. Apparently, she's turned down the role. She was recovering from an ankle injury. She couldn't be in the movie. Oh. So Joanna Lumley was in there. She did a great job. A couple of did you notices, Trev, to wrap up. Uh, did you know that that was the real Ben, uh, the real Jordan Belfort at the very end, introducing Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah, I think I think I did notice that. Yeah, that yeah. was the person who says, and here he is, one of the best salesmen in the world, Jordan Belfort. That was actually Jordan Belfort introducing yeah, wow. the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, the other thing, did you notice, this is a fun little fact. Remember when he handed over on the boat uh, the whole list of everyone that was at his wedding? Remember yeah. they asked for all the yep. wedding? Apparently all the names on that list were the names, the actual names of the film's crew. Oh, wow. So everyone's name on that were all the film crew. So they just, everyone... Put all your names on here, and that was the list that they gave. That's up. cool. That's very, very cool. Uh, we are at the end of the show, mate, and uh, we are gonna. I'm gonna ask for your wrap up and your rating. Man, I loved it. Uh, it didn't feel like three hours at all. Um, not at all. I, I did. I think I was watching it in the middle of the day, so I actually paused for my own intermission at some point. So I go and get lunch. <laughs> Did you just have um, a music style intermission in the middle yes, of Yes, I did. I created an intermission. Um, but two different movies from one week to the other, eh? We've sort of thrown you around a bit here. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Because uh, I think if you, I think that's a critical thing about this show, uh, this podcast, for me and for the listener, is we've yeah, got to be. I don't, I, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to go too hardcore at any point without going back into the kind of modern Oscar Oscar world. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the sound of music to something. Of its same age would have would have killed me, but um, yeah. So three hours didn't feel like three hours at all. 
Um, it was so fast paced. Um, there was so much. I could watch it again and, mm. and want to see little bits. Like, yeah. the, you know, the bit where he's driving a Ferrari Testarossa and uh, the Here red one and it becomes white. Yeah. Yes, I want to know is that is that CGI is that is that color color corrected or is that two different cars yeah. like so many little things I want yeah. to I want to dig into serious effect yeah and it was uh and he was uh, it was very well done but mate I, I, that that's an eight and a half for me that's an eight yeah. and a half for me yeah, easily about, I, mean, I reckon it's a solid eight point five for sure now I'm going to um there I'm going to throw forward to next week yeah and we've had two movies in a row that are based on true stories okay next week. Is anything but a true story. Please don't be Star Wars. Please don't be Star no, Wars. No, it's not, not Star Wars. It's a movie called The Fifth Element. Oh. Okay. And we're going to do a little... Remember how you said we're going to do a bit of a millionaire quiz? Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. So the movie, which was directed by Luc Besson, a French director, okay? Yeah. Have you heard of this movie? No. I, I, I think the name rings a bell, but I couldn't... Okay. Yep. I'm going to ask you four. I'm going to, if you can know, name the star of the movie. I'll give you a choice of four. Okay. Yep. Four names. Element. Okay. And I'll, yeah. I'm, we're on video here while we do this, so Stephen can see my yeah. hands. I'm not googling. Yeah. Don't be googling anything. Yeah. Does this movie star A. Pierce Brosnan, B. Bruce Willis, C. George Clooney, or D. Brad Pitt. Wow. All right. So I'm just going to do my do my uh, millionaire here. Um, who's the I'll give the question Bro- again. Pierce, Bros- Pierce Brosnan. Um, Pierce Brosnan A. Bruce Willis far, B. Far too Bruce far too Bond. B. Bruce Willis, you're trying to trick me with the sixth sense, the fifth element. You're trying to trick me. Um, okay. Who's next? George Clooney. Brad Pitt. George Clooney. Brad Pitt. Lock in George Clooney. Lock in George Clooney. All right. Final answer, as Eddie would say. Lock it in. Lock it in. Lock it in. All right. Uh, it's wrong, mate. Shit. It actually does star Bruce Willis. Oh, Bruce what? He's the star of the fifth element. I never thought that. The sixth, sixth sense. I thought you were geeing me up. Yeah. No, no. That's uh, It's Bruce Willis. Is uh, the star of the film, directed by Luc Besson, who's a great French director. And there's a couple of movies on our on our plan that he directed. Including this one. Now, this is a science fiction movie, mate. So oh. I, I don't expect you. I'll say it right now. I don't expect you to like this movie. I love this movie. It's outrageous. It's got a great story. It's got great effects. I'm just really curious. This is going to be a very entertaining listen next week because I'm. You're going to be asking what the hell's going on. <laughs> so stay tuned, folks. All the right. Fifth element next week. We're gonna uh, we're wrapping up the Wolf of Wall Street. We hope you enjoyed it with us. But if you want to do some homework and be ready for next week's show, The Fifth Element, starring not George Clooney but Bruce Willis in the title role. Trevor, thanks for joining us, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on The Fifth Element next week. I can't say I'm looking forward to it, but bring it on! Yeah, baby.